my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. Uh, and we had, a good, we had a good chat. I think you guys will enjoy it. We talked about all the latest uh, regarding the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. We talked about the uh, the insider White House feuding between the, uh, the Harris team and the Biden team. Great stuff there. And we talked about what uh, what Republicans should be focusing on going into the 2022 midterms. I think you guys will like it. Uh, a lot to break down today. Before I get to Greg, uh, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please take literally five seconds to leave a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how you been, man? Good. Good to be back on the pod with you. Absolutely, dude. So we got to start with the, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, obviously, the big news of the week. This trial, to me, has entered IQ test territory. I mean, like, people's opinions on, on this trial say more about them than it does about Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, there, at this point, there's not a single human being in the country on either side who believes that Kyle did anything wrong or illegal. Yet, half the country still wants them to rot in prison forever anyways. So, I mean, to me, that just says more about them than it does about Kyle. Like, I don't know, man. It, tough times ahead for the country, I think, if you, if you gauge uh, anything off of, like, Twitter mentions and stuff. Like, it's an IQ test, and, and half of the country is failing right now. Well, a big part of it is the media coverage of it. Like, right. people who actually watch the trial, who've actually watched it, will come away with a completely different opinion on it as opposed to people who just know what's happening in the trial via what they're reading in the papers. Oh, yeah. Because the media is irredeemably evil and has lied about this, this case since the very beginning. And, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it, it's, it's going to be a litmus test for the future of our country, I think. Like, do we still have free and fair trials in this country? Or does media coverage and mob rule now is now what's, what is swaying juries? And I think, you know... That's we're, we're, I think we're, you know, any rational, normal person has watched this trial or even watched the videos a year ago of what happened in Kenosha and easily comes away with the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in lawful self-defense. But yeah, I mean, the fact that this it's been on video, I mean, the video was released like that day. Like we, we had all the information in front of us to begin with. And th- there has been a few honest like tweets and posts from Democrats about this that are really interesting. They're like, you know, that, that have actually watched the trial. And obviously most people don't actually watch. They just believe whatever the corporate press tells them, which is disgusting. But there's, there have been some leftists who have been like, oh man, like I thought Kyle Rittenhouse just went in there and murdered a whole bunch of black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's what they thought. Like if you watch CNN, you think he just showed up with like, you know, just fully automatic weapons in each hand, like Scarface and just mowed down a, a crowd full of black folks or something like that. Not, three white people that were trying to murder him with a gun. You know what I mean? It's like they, 
it's so funny, man, that the propaganda is still as powerful as it is, that these people had literally had no idea. I mean, like, people have been talking about this case for a year, over a year, and so many people still have no idea that the people Kyle Rittenhouse shot were white and were armed. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it just goes to show that the media in this country is fundamentally broken and fundamentally irredeemable. Like, they're willing to just... They'll, they'll, They've they've learned nothing from you know people, the Nick Sandman incident or even going back to the Duke Lacrosse incident. They see a white kid, and you know with a gun, and they immediately have to go into full overdrive mode without any regard for the details or the facts. And like you, you know what some of these out like you know even like people like Joe Scarborough will go on the air the other day and say that he was part of a militia and unloaded sixty rounds into people. Like that's a thing that Joe Scarborough said on air like two days ago like it's just insane and like the lies that are, that are being told on social media about him like crossing state lines as if like you know it's he went he drove 20 minutes from his hometown to the town where his father lived and where he worked but they're like all of a sudden it becomes illegal to defend yourself when you cross if you cross state lines like it's it, like the lies being told about him are ridiculous and it's just it, it's it's just insane and like yeah. I think at the end of the day, I hope I think he's going to be acquitted. But if he's not acquitted, it's not going to be because of any of the facts or the evidence. Because like the prosecutors in this case have just been like total. They've they've make, been making one clown argument after another. It's going to be because the jury can understands that the mob is forming outside of the courthouse, ready to take anybody's heads who won't do whatever they want. And like, yeah, man, yeah. Like, do we have? Like, do we have actual fair trials in this? Co like, the media is preventing people from having a fair trial. And, like, it goes back to the Chauvin, like, even to the Chauvin case. Like, Derek Chauvin got convicted of second-degree murder for, for the George Floyd killing. Like, now, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I know enough to know that in order to, in order to, in order to be convicted of murder, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there was an intent to murder. Yeah. Like I so and so with the Derek Chauvin case, it was probably clear that it was probably manslaughter, a clear case of manslaughter, but second degree murder. But like yeah, the, the jury ca categorically, it was categorically yeah. not second degree murder. I mean, like, yeah, you can believe he was guilty of of something, sure, but not that. I mean, like, but the, like the actual but charges this, are supposed to matter. But it's the media coverage and the and you know the mobs calling for Derek Chauvin's head is the reason is at the end of the day, the re like, I'm sure I, I'm sure if I, if you'd been a fly in the wall in that jury room, they were terrified to vote anything other than guilty. Yeah. And like, so the, the media and the, and the woke mob is just preventing people from having fair trials in this country. Yeah. You're and, absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. And that's, what's really on trial right now. You know, it has nothing to do with Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse himself. And, the thing is that the Democrats aren't hiding their sinister nature anymore. And, I mean, th this does seem like a coordinated effort to me. Like, it's all out in the open. I mean, first they push to fund the police. Then they let leftist mobs take over cities. And then if you defend yourself from their goons, they'll put you in prison for it. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a show of strength. They're just flexing their muscles trying to threaten us. I mean, their goal, if they get what they want here, is just to scare the crap out of us and make us submit to their will. Like, it's a coordinated effort by the regime. And by the regime, I don't even just mean, like, the Biden administration. I mean, the leftists in control of the institutions, the FBI, in and out of government, even in the culture. Like, they're bold. You know what I mean? They're, they're trying to finish off what's left 
of the country. I mean, they're trying to make self-defense illegal. And, like, you almost have to admire the left. Like, they're going for it, man. Like, they play to win. Like, I wish our side played to win like they do. No, I totally agree with that. Like, you know, you know, and it it definitely seems like a coordinated effort when you also have the fact that the FBI was monitoring these riots with drone footage that they hid for several months that clearly showed Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. Yeah. And like, you know, you have the, you have Joe Biden in campaign videos calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. Yeah. You have like members of Congress like Ayanna Presley and Cory Bush who immediately called him a domestic terrorist. Yeah. You have like Hakeem Jeffries, the third highest ranking Democrat in the House, who's tweeting, lock him up and throw away the key. After like all people, the video, after the video was out, like after yeah. the the prosecution fumbled the ball and and all this, like, they, this, they still are running with it. Like Republicans have to understand that we are dealing with all these forces that want to see us destroyed. They don't. They want to destroy our country, and they want they want they they they're perfectly happy with with putting you in jail and taking away all of your rights. Yeah, and, and like, like beyond we need- Rittenhouse, like look at the behavior of Democrats over the course of this year. I mean, like the p- political persecution of Kyle Rittenhouse, which is what it is, is a great example. But I mean, like Merrick Garland sicking the FBI on parents who were upset that their daughters were being raped in government school bathrooms, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And Merrick Garland sicks the FBI on them. I mean, they're still holding like January 6th protesters in prison without a trial for no reason. I mean, like the, the biggest perpetrators on January 6th were the FBI anyway. You know, I mean, they're, they're doing all these things just to prove a point. I mean, the point being never cross the Democrats. Do what the Democrats say and maybe they'll leave us alone. I mean, these people are vicious, vicious knife fighters, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we and, you know, it's it's now a litmus test in the Republican Party. You have to understand what we're up against. Like there, no more just going along to get along. If you want to win in the GOP today, you have to show that you're going to fight back against against, you know, an evil media that lies. Yeah. To fight back against a Democratic Party that will literally do anything for power, fight back against, you know, institution, the institutionalized of uh, you know the deep state whatever that you know will ignore multiple tips about mass shooters but go but unleash their entire counterterrorism divisions on parents like you have to show that you're 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 you have what it takes to fight back against this if we like my as somebody who works in you know the the field of consulting for for you know GOP candidates like th- these are my litmus tests for people that my company at least looks for in Republican candidates these days, hundred like, percent. You know, you know, you know, you know. We have all of these forces that want that that hate ordinary Americans and want to impose their will on us, and we need people who are going to fight back against it on our side. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like any Republican that doesn't pledge to completely gut the FBI is worthless to me. Yeah, gut. I mean, yeah, gut, the, it. gut it. Strip. Yeah. I mean, just. Get rid of it. Get rid of all of them. I mean, honestly, that and that that eliminates Trump for me. You know what I mean? Like, I do not want Trump to run again in 2024. I mean, he was president for four years. He didn't clean house in any of these institutions. He didn't fire Anthony Fauci. He didn't fire, you know, he didn't get rid of, you know, got the FBI from the inside out. He didn't have the balls. He didn't have the political courage to do any of those things. And we need people that will, man, in Congress, at, at the federal level. And, like... Just one more thing, and I, I think you're right. I'm just going to double down on, on something you said a minute ago on the, the Rittenhouse trial. Like, Democrats are trying to dox jurors. They're sending death threats to the judge's family. 
You know, I mean, they are using the mob to try to get what they want. If if Kyle is convicted for things he didn't do, I have to assume it was the threats of violence from the Democrats. And I mean, that's dark stuff, man. Let, let's hope the jury ha- the jury has the balls, the integrity, um, to do the right thing here. And shoot, I mean, I hope they all buy AR-15s to defend their families too, because the leftists might go ahead and try to kill them. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, Leah, like I said before, like media lies provoke mobs that are literally increasingly preventing people from having fair trials. Like if you're a juror, if you're on this jury and you have the choice and your choices are, you know, look at the evidence. It clearly shows he acted in lawful self-defense vote to acquit. But, you know, you have people that are going to dox you and dox your family and come after you. Like that's a tough, like I I understand being, if if you're someone on that jury, that that's a tough decision to make. It's like, it's, but it's insane that this is where we're at in this country. It's insane that a judge in a trial has to tell jur has to tell jurors to, you know, avoid media coverage, avoid looking at social media, avoid, you know, hearing statements from the president of the United States on down about an ongoing trial. Like it's just, it's incredibly sad that this is where we're at in our country. Yeah. This is how trials work in communist dictatorships. Yeah. And like, and like, you know, it's reminiscent of like the 1950s in the South when, you know, mobs of hordes of white of, you know, of quote unquote white supremacists demanded that, you know, black people who are innocent be convicted and and sentenced to death or whatever. Like it's reminiscent to me, it's reminiscent of, of that. Like we're back to that time in our country, except, except now it's a different kind of mob. Yeah. It's funny, man. It reminds me of, I believe it was in the state of Mississippi and this was long before the fifties. It was, uh, uh, Jack Johnson, who was the first black undisputed heavyweight champion in boxing. I want to say it was in the 30s. Jack Johnson might have been the 20s or 30s. It was, it was a long time ago. But uh, the racist whites in the South hated him because, you know, he had knocked out a bunch of white guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was the champ. And uh, they convicted him. They sent him to jail for a while for, um, quote-unquote, taking a woman across state, wi- state lines because his wife was white. <laughs> Jack Johnson's wife was white. And so it was like they convicted him on some like weird technicality of like kidnapping a white woman across state lines, but it was his wife or something like that. I, I might have some of the details mixed up. I heard that story a long time ago, but it, like it reminds me of something like that. It reminds me of like something, you know, racist white jurors would do like in the twenties. You know what I mean? Like it, it really is that sinister and like transparently evil what they're trying to do to Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's targeted, it's coordinated and it's malicious. Like they're, they're perfectly like it. And it, and this isn't even the first time we've seen it. They were perfectly happy with destroying Brett Kavanaugh's life and Nick Sandman's life, you know, for a, for a woke victory, essentially. Like it's, you know, People who claim that they believe in criminal justice reform, as soon as it's somebody who goes against their preferred political narrative, they're demanding that they're they're demanding that he be locked up forever for the crime of self-defense. Like they want like the left wants to criminalize your right to self-defense. They don't believe they don't believe you should have the right to do that. They believe that Antifa and BLM can come to your town and burn it to the ground and descend into chaos. but the people who choose to defend themselves are the ones who get put on trial. And to me, it's like, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of 
Do you remember last year when the Jake Gardner incident, he was the bar owner in yeah. Nebraska yep. who, who shot somebody, a black, a, a black man in self-defense. The, the district attorney came out and said that he's not going to file charges because he's, it was clear he acted in self-defense. And then the family of this guy demanded that it be referred to a grand jury who then came back with all of these indictments against him. And then, and then the guy ended up killing himself. Like, like, you know, these situations are this like Kyle Rittenhouse is not the first time things like this are happening in our country. And it's certainly not going to be the last. Yeah. I mean, the Democrats simply believe if, if you vote Republican, if you don't bend to their will, then they can send the mob to harass you or kill you. And if the mob comes, you shouldn't be able to defend yourself and you have to just let the communists kill you. You have to just die for the Democrats. That's what they want. And I mean, like nothing, nothing drives me up a wall more than people who claim to be on the right or claim to be Republicans or something like that, just pretending that they don't see what's going on. And you went after David French, who I've beat up quite a bit on this podcast. You went after him on Twitter yesterday, and it was hilarious. But, like, these people on, like, the never-Trump right, which is just the never-Republican right at this point. Trump has been gone for a year and has been banned from the entire Internet, so I don't know what they're still mad about. They won. I mean, they, they these people got the Democrat elected, which they want. They got Trump banned from the Internet, which they wanted. You'd think they'd be satisfied now, but no, they want all Republicans to lose now. But, like, David French is at his keyboard again this week, letting us know that he really hates Kyle Rittenhouse for defending himself. Um, and then he wrote another piece, and, you know, but he... He, he's like, well, you know, you, you still, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. You can go read it if you want. I don't need to dignify that man's ridiculous writing with uh, quoting it verbatim on the podcast. But, like, it's like, well, you know, he, ha- he had the right to defend himself, but, you know, he's still an awful person and terrible, and he never should have been there and all this. And then he went to The Atlantic, and he wrote a piece, literally, and I'm not joking, the conservative case against open carry, basically saying that you shouldn't be able to openly carry a gun essentially saying that the Second Amendment should not exist. So it's like David French is out here twisting himself in knots, trying to still hate on Kyle Rittenhouse, even though he knows he didn't do anything wrong. And he's out here writing the conservative case against the United States Constitution pieces for the Atlantic. And it's just like, do these people, like, because I'm over three years old, I remember the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Okay, like... My, because I'm over a year old, I remember Democratic mobs burning city dis- down last year. Like, why Why do these people still think that the left will love them? Why, why do they still think that the Democrats have good intentions? They're, they keep telling, the Democrats keep telling David French over and over every single day, we are evil, we want to kill you. And David French still writes opinion pieces defending them. It's like, I just don't understand these people like is it just that they hated the orange guy so much that they just they just hate all republicans and their voters now is it they hated trump so much that they've given up their entire worldview and personality because orange man bad i mean it's like these people are just pathetic man well i mean you know people like you know there's an account there's a whole uh lucrative business out there for people like david french who get paid a lot of money by liberal corporate media outlets to write exactly what their liberal audiences want them to hear. Like, I don't think David French is an idiot. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows that he has to, he has to placate the audience of the people who, who, who pay him a lot of money. And that's exactly what he's doing here, which is why in his Kyle Rittenhouse piece, he decides to, he decides to bring up an argument that literally nobody on the right was making that 
yes, he's innocent, but he's not a hero. Like, nobody on the right is calling him a hero. We're defending a kid who clearly defended himself and has been unfairly maligned and slandered by an evil media and Democratic Party. I don't like, know. No, I don't know. He, hero is a strong word, but he's kind of a hero. Yeah, but like, you I mean, know, I, that's I mean, not, like, look, like the, uh, the, the police just stood down and were letting violent groups of Democrats burn the city down and Kyle grabbed a gun and, and went to try to do something about it. I, I mean, like, I don't know, man, like what the heck else are you supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, that's he definitely I, I mean, hero is a strong word, but the kid yeah. has balls. Got to give him that. Yeah, for sure. But like, that's not the point. Like, that's not the point of why, you know, the right, right has been defending Kyle. That's not the main point of why the right, right, right. has been defending Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. And like, so he has to like, you know, he just, you know, and by omission, he chooses to omit what you just said. The fact that, you know, elected officials in Kenosha from the top down allowed a complete collapse of law and order. And the media lied about the shooting of a black guy who, who, accosted his rape victim and tried to steal a car with his child in it before pulling a knife on police. Like he chose, he chooses to uh, omit all of this. And like, and like I said, you know, he may not be a hero to David French, but he, if he was an American soldier stationed in Kabul who died defending drag queen story hour for Afghan children, only then would he be a hero to David French. That's funny, man. It's funny. Like it's, it's always funny to me that when the people, People like David French, they try to claim the moral high ground on every issue, and then they defend the most morally indefensible positions on the planet. I mean, I remember it was 2018, 2018, right before he left National Review and went over to whatever it's called, Jonah Goldberg's new outlet. I forget what it's called. Just the dispatch. dispatch. He he wrote in National Review, and I still I am buddies with a lot of people over at National Review. It's nothing against them, but. David French had a piece in National Review in 2018 defending the Iraq War. 2018. John McCain. John, noted libertarian John McCain, admitted that the Iraq War was a mistake in like 2014, 2013, something like that. Bro, if you were, if you love war more than John McCain, like brother, I, I just don't, like, I'm sorry, I, I, you, you can't claim the moral high ground on anything. The Iraq War killed a million people, displaced 10 million people. I'm talking thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of women and children. Sorry, bud. You don't get to claim... Like, if you're, and you're defending that in 2018, to the year of our Lord, 2018. No, I'm sorry. Like, you have no moral high ground to stand on, and you claiming such, it's just... It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. It's embarrassing. Like, these people... Doesn't anybody feel shame anymore? Like, do these people not get embarrassed? Like, I... I spent a lot of my day on a daily basis trying to keep myself from embarrassing myself in public, you know, because I hate being embarrassed in public. These people love it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, th- there's also like David French, like in 2016, um, when, you know, the beginning of the end in my mind and David for Jev- David French and Kevin William and uh, Kevin Williamson is when they were writing in 2016 about how rural, you know, rural American towns that have seen decline in manufacturing jobs just need to die and need yeah. to accept their fate. Like yeah. that's like that should have like been the time when everyone should have recognized that David French was not a serious thinker. Yeah. And then he defends the Iraq war. And then, you know, now he's the he's the token lib of of liberal media like he is today. It's like, well, these people work in media so long they forget that not everybody can just write for a living. Not everybody can just talk for a living. 
Goodness, yeah. What what a horrible, what a what a deplorable thing to say. And I remember that piece in in 2016. I had to do a double take, especially uh, Williamson too. That was like very out of character for him. That was kind of shocking. But one more thing before I let you go, man. I I do have to mention. Um, I I love the chatter coming out of the White House this week. All the inside baseball political nonsense. The Biden team. I mean, they had CNN write a hit piece on Kamala Harris, and you know. It was Biden that had CNN write it because CNN will do whatever this regime tells them to do. They wouldn't, obviously, they would never, they would never dare to write a hit piece on Kamala unless Biden's team asked them to. Um, but but the Biden team did this because they know they need to get rid of her. She has zero political talent at all and a 28% approval rating. Hilarious to watch. So I love I love that they're they're trying to throw Harris under the bus. They're, they've been pushing Pete Buttigieg a lot lately, so I think they're going to— tr- like, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they're trying to push Pete and get rid of Kamala because they think Pete's a, a better politician. I don't really think he is, but I don't know. Dems in disarray, as, as Smug would say. You know, I'd love to see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's it's really, really funny to me that—so so I don't know if you are subscribed. So I'm subscribed to this uh, newsletter called Punchbowl News. It's Jake Sherman's thing, and basically they just, like—it's just basically gossipy things about what's happening in the White House and on Capitol Hill. And apparently, like Pete Boot, they they apparently Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris are like the people that the Beltway Dems are trying to push as the future of their party, which is really really funny to me. It's, it's just not going to happen <laughs> because they're two of the most untalented politicians in America, and it's funny that like people that there are still people out there who are shocked Kamala Harris has such a low approval rating, but when the woman literally dropped out of the presidential race. Six months before Iowa, when she was polling at three percent in her home state of California, <laughs> yeah, man. And like Pete Buttigieg actually made it to Iowa, and not a single black person in the Democratic primary voted for him. So it's like, re- and that's why he lost. So it's like really funny to me that these are the candidates that they're pushing because it, it just goes to show how out of touch beltway democrats and you know the democratic consultant class are with with their not just america but with their own party because their own party literally rejected both of these candidates resoundingly across the board Buttigieg likes to claim that he still won iowa but he was rejected across the board by did, wait uh, did anybody win iowa did uh, they figure that out yet <laughs> literally no <laughs> i don't know if they ever even announced who won iowa yeah. But like it was but, funny. I, I mentioned this before we started recording. Like I'm from, we're both from real cities with real people. I'm from Toledo. You're from Philly, and it's like the <laughs> the the inside the bubble Democrat class. They were writing they, these think pieces during the primaries last year about how man, why I just don't understand. I don't understand why black people won't vote for Pete Buttigieg, and they're gonna do it again. They're gonna push him. He's gonna probably run for president eventually, and right around the time they get to. I mean, he could do okay in Iowa and New Hampshire because there isn't, you know, you'd have to go all the way to Chicago and New York City, respectively, to find the nearest African-American. But, like, once once you get to South Carolina, the floor is going to drop off. And that is because if you live, if you grew up around black people, like you and I did, and all these Democratic strategists did not because they're all from these white, upper-class, leftist bubbles on the coasts. If you grew up around black people, you know that statistically speaking— Black folks, not a huge fan of gay folks. I'm sorry. I'm just reporting the news, ladies and gentlemen. That's the truth. 
If you you spent time around black people, you would know that. So like, and and obviously everybody knows if Democrats don't get like you know ninety percent of the black vote, they don't win elections. So it's like I, I'm I'm looking forward to another round of this. It's a mystery. Why can't why can't Pete connect with black voters? And it's like my gosh, these people, like they're they're so far in their own echo chamber that they have no idea what like the rest of the country is like. It's it's hilarious. What my, my favorite, one of my favorite moments from the 2020 uh, Democratic primary was, uh, I think it was like after it was after one of the the primaries, and uh, Buttigieg was like speaking or whatever, and like the entire crowd was literally a bunch of white people, and then there was like there there was like three black people that were standing directly behind Buttigieg, and then the rest <laughs> of the crowd was white. And it was just like clear that they found like the only black people there, and were like, okay, we need you guys to stand to be behind Buttigieg. Man, I just feel so bad. Imagine being those black folks. Well, like the they, thing about no, you have to know, you know what's well, going on, right? So, so, yeah, but this, this, like, so this, and like, just, just speaking broadly, like, this is an opportunity for Republicans to actually make some legitimate in, you know, make some gen- legitimate inroads with minority voters. Like, you know, Hispanic, like Hispanics are in in huge numbers now voting for the GOP. Like, working class yeah. Hispanics are, and we're, in twenty twenty two, we're going to see that a lot. But like in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin flipped uh, a majority. One uh, there was one district that he flipped that was majority black. Yeah. And so like you know, the GOP is now the work. You know, we're the party of the working class now. And you know, you know, black communities are culturally very conservative, but they still overwhelmingly vote for the G for for the for the Democratic Party. But this is like this presents an opportunity for for our side to really make some inroads here if we run on the right ideas, like being. Running a socially conservative, you know, talking about issues that working class Americans care about. Like that's this is an opportunity for our for our side of the political aisle here. Because and because and it helps with the fact that the de- the Democratic Party is increasingly becoming the party of college professors, tech giants and insufferable childless people living on the coasts. Yeah, man. That's a, it's a, I think that is that is the Democratic base. The the last thing you said, they're insufferable, childless people living on the coast. I mean, that is like, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, just look at the Twitter comments. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much what we're looking at here. And it's like the Democrats are they, they I think they, they're starting to figure out, too, they're running out of things to run on. And that's why they're just doubling down on calling us all racists and stuff. They're doubling down. on. I mean. They uh they they talked about I forget what Democratic strategist was talking about this after the the blowout loss they had in Virginia that their their main <laughs> their main strategy is to double down on January sixth right <laughs> talking about how Trump is bad and like Republicans are white supremacists or whatever and insurrection and all that, whatever and it's like yeah man like one Trump's not on the ballot in the midterms like he's not running for Congress bro like I just don't understand like that's the best they can come up with man they got shellacked on the actual issues and, and that's the funniest thing about the Virginia election um like Glenn Youngkin I mean he just straight up beat McAuliffe on the issues like he was a very disciplined candidate talked about education policy talked I mean just t- like just met the voters where they were at and talked about the actual policies that concern people and cleaned up in a blue state. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think if Republicans, like you said, just talk about the issues that the voters deeply care about, you know, they're, they're, I just wrote a piece for independent Institute should be coming out called it's the, it's the children, stupid, you know, like talk about their kids, man. Talk about school choice. Like talk about like stuff that like parents care about that normal independent voters 
care about. And yeah. the Democrats can keep whining about January 6th and Donald Trump. Well, what's what's funny is like, <clears throat> so like I work, I now, like I now, I've only been doing this for like two months, but I have like a good understanding of, you know, our country's political consulting class. And what's really, what, what what's really funny to me is there is some Democratic consultant out there that got paid a lot of money by Terry McAuliffe to tell him that his best strategy was talking, was connecting Glenn Youngkin to Donald Trump as much as he possibly could. Like there's definitely uh, some consultants out there that got paid a lot of money to give Terry McAuliffe that advice, yep. which is absolutely hilarious to me. But, but, but yes, like you said, like here, here's what Republicans need to understand, especially like Republicans and especially Republicans who are actually running the party. Our constituency in 2022 is becoming working class America in rural America, working class Hispanics, suburban parents. That that's that's going to be our new coalition that drives us to victory in 2022 and 2024. And so 100%. Like, th- that's that's going to be our coalition. And so we have to stay on message and and you know, like you said education is going to be an important issue. Uh obviously the economy is very important. Um but like just talking about issues that these people care about. Like if we're an issues driven if we run an issues driven election cycle, it's going to be a bloodbath in 2022. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hope you're right. <laughs> Greg, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, keep in touch? Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, Greg underscore Price11. Uh, I'm in our new, my new job. We're working with a lot of uh, very exciting candidates in the next election cycle. We're working with people like Joe Kent and, uh, and a bunch of others, trying to get them elected. We're primarying a lot of uh, weak key Republicans like Liz Cheney. And, you know, we're so, you know, we will we, keep you updated on that, on, on uh, how we're doing on that on Twitter. Um, you can follow my follow my boss, Alex Brugewitz, too, who runs the show. We're doing a lot of very exciting things in 2022, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, man, you're going to get some good people elected, man. I can't wait. Guys doing the Lord's work over there. Uh, everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Um, 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 um.